Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding. Where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. I want my land. And good morning, it's Annie for Showreel. We are going to be looking at an Australian film that's been made by Helen Isles. Helen Isles has um, been doing a series of films about intentional living. You may not know what intentional living is, I'll explain. It's a movement across the world of people who have uh, decided to build their own communities in uh, the countrysides of their uh, countries and uh, that includes building their own homes as well as uh, providing them their own uh, food source from the land around their homes and of course that's been a uh, major political uh, change in the aspects of their own uh, legal arrangements within their own countries. Anyway, uh, this intentional uh, living movement is, of course, uh, existent in Australia. And uh, Helen was very interested in uh, the next part of uh, dealing with uh, humans in community, which was about conflict resolution. And that's uh, where she went out into Australian intentional living communities and created a film called Deep Listening, Datiri. And uh, it's going to be shown on Sunday, the 1st of March, 7 to 9pm at the Bella Union Trades Hall, Ligon Street, this Sunday. So anyway, let's go to my little chat with Helen about what she intended when she was making this film. Well, it's a great pleasure to see you again, Helen, after your big adventures. Now, you've been uh, you've been going across the world. I mean, you originally come from Wales and you, you come from an intentional community there and you are a filmmaker. You've uh, documented numerous intentional communities across the world, but lately you've been looking at Australia. I have. And <laughs> what, you've been, tell, tell us about where you've been. Uh, Well, I landed in Australia two years ago and I visited numerous communities on my travels. I've been up as far as Queensland and Crystal Waters up there, Permaculture Village, and then down to northern New South Wales, the Rainbow Region, where I visited Bodie Farm and Darmananda, two very long-standing communities up there. And round about Melbourne, because I've been living here, I've been getting to know and spending more time with communities like Common Ground Cooperative up near Seymour, Muramura by Healesville, and also Murundaka, which is a co-housing community in Heidelberg. So it's an urban version of the rural eco-villages that I'm more familiar with. 
Now, of course, you actually were part of uh, the intentional uh, communities movement where you've come from. Uh, are there differences between the different places or are there, is there a core belief? Hmm. I don't think I'd like to say there's a core belief, but I am quite interested in the ones that have an environmental um, ethos, if you like, that underpins what they do. So they're all intentional communities. They all intend to create a community where they work closely together, collaborate, make decisions together, live close together, maybe share land um, but they don't have anything like religion binding them together or any other philosophy. Uh, so I would say environment is the closest thing that I could say, the ones that I look at. And so it's it's about getting uh, creating your own shelter and getting your uh, food from the land. Well, the eco-village that I followed in Wales, the Lamas eco-village that I made a film about that's uh, now finished two years ago, they... Uh, came about under a new Welsh planning legislation that allowed for building in the countryside under certain very strict rules. So they had to build natural homes from materials that were from the land that they were living on, really, wood and earth. And they also had to earn 75% of their income, of their, their annual needs from the land, and that was stringently recorded by the planning department and they've now passed that initial five-year planning but they will continue to be monitored for the rest of their existence because that's the planning legislation under which they exist. Is that because there's resistance like they represent a uh, type of lifestyle that's uh, uh, contrary to uh, the prevailing uh, concept of uh, communal living? Or Well the Welsh, the Welsh government, the the devolved Welsh Government have really taken responsibility for sustainability and their sustainability department has been very progressive in going to the people that are doing the work in Wales, consulting with them on the ground and giving them money to do the projects that they were doing. So they were really interested in the well-being of Wales, really, and it seems to me that they're a very progressive government. They've actually just passed um, a law concerning the use of medical marijuana, which is one of the most progressive laws that are around these days, the, the ones that are pushing the boundaries. So I feel that they're really thinking carefully about the way that we live and the way that we use the planet. Now, uh, obviously, in, uh, when you decided that you were going to do films about these uh, intentional communities, and you've made a series, haven't you, that are available online... Uh, quite a few, in fact, episodes of your journey into the intentional community world. And obviously there will be differences, but it's quite clear that people are trying to create environments where they can live, uh, where they are have a more agency about their own lifestyle than would normally be allowed. Absolutely. The, the Ecovillage in Wales, again, the Lamas one, they're off-grid, so they have their own power system. They have a, um, a traditional LEAT system, actually, which um, is basically low, low hydro. So it's a small-scale hydro system that creates electricity for them, for the whole village. There's nine families there now. It's a small village. Um, they have solar panels, so they're not plugged into the main grid at all. Uh, they also have their own water source. 
Um, and yeah, I think it's about creating a more independent and more resilient life because they're looking at the possibility of big changes, big weather changes, big societal changes with the onset of climate change and peak oil. And they're looking for alternatives where, yeah, some, some of that is looking to the past, to how, things, how people did things before cheap oil, but also using modern technologies to allow us yeah, to live lightly on the planet and, no, and not be reliant on oil. And before we get on to the next film and the next phase of your exploration, do they homeschool? Do, are there children? In Lammas there are children. In many villages there are children. It's a wonderful place for children to grow up. There's a lot of green space. There's a lot of freedom for children. And there's a lot of um, interesting sort of free thinking that doesn't pigeonhole children in the way that they can be in in mainstream society. However, the villages, the small villages often try to integrate with the local community. So children often go to school in the local school and play with the local villages. If the village is bigger, then there might be a home school tuition system. And maybe for the littleies or for, for some children who don't fit well into the education system, there'll be a sharing of education between the adults who have different skills. Now, the last time I spoke to you was when you had a screening of uh, one of your previous films in Melbourne, and you were going off to explore something that was uh, around not so much uh, creating shelter and uh, food to eat, uh, but but working more at the notion of the inevitable conflicts that uh, develop when people are in groups. And and you know, nine households is a very small more small amount of people, and there can be. Uh, friction. So we're talking about sustainable sustainable communities in a completely different sense. And your latest film, Deep Listening Dadiri, you were looking into some of those issues, weren't you? I was. When I came to Australia and I started asking people questions in intentional communities, because I didn't have a clear idea about what I wanted to know, I just asked them questions. And they talked a lot about conflict and how they dealt with it. And I found that people in the UK, at least, hadn't talked in the same way about that. Now, I don't know whether that's because we're more reserved, because we we hide more, and whether the Aussies are more open. Which people do say, and a less attractive word is crude. (laughs) Well, I found them very open and very willing to talk about the things that were going on and how they dealt with them. And so... I knew it was going to be a tricky thing because those things on film are hard to show. They're hard to show, especially without being too invasive and um, invading people's privacy. But I carried on exploring it. And, yeah, I found some interesting things. And and also I felt that looking back at the eco-village in Wales, they were just beginning. And there were signs that sometimes they couldn't get along so well. So I felt that I was making this film almost as a gift to the people in Wales, in the Lama Sika village, to say, well, look, these guys have been at it for 40 years now and some these are some of the clues or the things that they found out that they'd like to pass on about what makes community work. Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, Mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR. 
sure you all know this, no Australian family will be worse off under a coalition government. In response to the Abbott government's announcement of a productivity commission to rewrite workplace conditions in Australia, thousands of your neighbours, workmates, friends and families will stage a nationwide protest on March the 4th, 10am on Wednesday. Meet at the Victorian Trades Hall, corner of Victoria and Ligon Street, Carlton. You can register your attendance at the Australian Union website, www.australianunions.org.au. Hi, my name is Sophia Turkovich, the director of Once My Mother. Uh, you're listening to Radio 3CR, the real radio station. And you're on 3CR, of course, with Annie on Showreel, and we're focusing on Australian film. And this is a film that's been made by a Welsh visitor to uh, Australia, but it's about Australian intentional living communities. Her focus, Helen Isles' focus, has been about conflict resolution in intentional communities. And as I said, her film, Deep Listening, Dadiri, is going to be shown on Sunday, 1st of March, 7 to 9pm at Bella Union Trades Hall. Uh, You can buy a ticket if you want by going to bellaunion.com.au forward slash ticketing. But let's hear more about what Helen discovered. So who did you find in your uh, exploration in the Australian context? What's the the deep listening that you're talking about in your title? The deep listening, Dadiri, Dadiri is an Aboriginal word, and it was um, told to me very early on when I visited Bodhi Farm. There's a guy up there called Stu Anderson, and he works very closely in Aboriginal communities, and he told me about this word Dadiri, which means deep listening, but listening not just with our ears, but um, listening with our hearts, listening with our eyes, really tuning in to people. And I felt that this was behind a lot of the conflict resolution practices that people were telling me about, and really about a whole way of living that was tuned in not only to each other, but also to ourselves in terms of personal development, which also people in intentional communities are inevitably into they have to you know they say it rubs all the corners off you so they have to be into that um personal reflection and also they're very tuned into the land and the landscape and dadiri can also mean that so it's kind of a meditative sense i mean it's it's an aboriginal word only in a few communities but i've been told that the concept or the practice or the way of being exists across tribes it's an understanding. And and I guess that, you know, in traditional societies, we really needed this. We really needed to be able to tune in and open up to the environment, open up to each other. And maybe in the modern world, things are so noisy, you know. We're, we're bombarded with messages from the media, from our phones, from our computers, that we're seldom quiet enough to tune in in that way. It's related to time, too, experience in time. Did you find that? Uh, What I'm saying is that, uh, say we were to talk and then there was an amount of silence in between our talking. Uh, It's common when people are quite agitated or just from the common 
socialisation mechanisms that we generally come from in the West, that people need to jump in and fill that silence and so that uh, it's impossible to actually allow time and silence to have its own reign. Yeah, and um, um, Auntie Doris Payton, the Aboriginal elder that I spoke to, spoke exactly about that. She said that in the Aboriginal society, they were much more comfortable with silence. And, um, you know, as I'm a yoga teacher, I'm, I practice meditation, I like being in silence, I enjoy being in silence, I enjoy what unfolds and the richness of silence. Silence is not empty. So, so in a way, this... Yeah, this concept, this way of being felt like a really interesting exploration to me. Did you, I mean, obviously some of the communities that you went to were influenced by Aboriginal thought and other other uh, communities were less so. Uh, did they, uh, was there a common understanding, or how did they deal with conflict? Had communities you've come across or have stories about conflict causing major ructions? Yeah, conflict causes major actions everywhere. Conflict is inevitable. And what the people in the communities I looked at or I spent time with had come to realise that it was inevitable and they had to have a way to deal with it. And often that way was just being together with it. And often the two people, like in Common Ground, they said the two people who were in conflict, often it's between, you know, a couple or a a couple of people who get on each, other, on each other's nerves, they would go away, sit under a tree with the list of um, points to ponder, if you like, and they would work through it systematically um, until they could communicate with each other, until they had heard each other. And it seemed to be that this sense of being heard kept on coming up, this sense of really being heard you know where we're coming from we want people to know where we're coming from don't we and in a way in order to know where someone is really coming from you have to really listen to them so in actual fact each of those people have to have and one would assume they would because they're in the intentional community have a uh, a commitment to the successful harmonious running of the place and therefore they would uh, join in that uh, the issue of uh, uh, resolution. Absolutely, and I think the deeper the commitment, the more successful the community. You can look at it like a marriage times however many people in the community. If people in a marriage are committed to working through their issues, are committed to, right, something's going on here, shall we explore it, then that marriage is going to last a lot longer and be a lot more harmonious. And the same for a community. If people are looking for a quick fix or maybe just somewhere nice to live and they're not willing to put the work in, they're either going to have to leave or the community's going to implode. Are you, I, I noticed that uh, you went and uh, talked to quite a few people. You, you talked to um, Carol Perry, who's a mm. meditation teacher. You talked to... Uh, uh, as you've already said, Dr. Doris uh, uh, Payton, who's an Aboriginal elder from the Monaro Naringo elder, that means you went up to uh, New South Wales, Victoria, sort of border area, correct? I, I didn't actually. I, I bumped into her. Oh, you bumped into her? <laughs> I bumped into her at the Shearwater Festival. Oh, cool. Well, I went to meet her really at the Shearwater Festival and we talked there. She gave me an interview there. So I haven't seen her at her homeland, but I very much would like to now. We are in touch. 
and maybe yeah. I'll go and visit her again and find out some more. But at some point, you know, I have to stop the film. Like, in one way, that's why I book a screening. <laughs> I go, right, I'm aiming for that date and I'm going to finish. Because otherwise the exploration can keep on going. Like, this is a really interesting thing. And in that um, stopping, I'm hoping to leave the door open to to development. So some of the people that I've been working with, like Carol Perry and like um, Robin Clayfield, who works on groups, she has an um, organisation herself called Dynamic Groups, Dynamic Learning. She works out of Crystal Waters. I'm, I'm looking for people like that to run workshops alongside the film. So I'm hoping that wherever the film shows, maybe I can find someone locally who's involved with this kind of thing who can go along and give people a personal experience of some of those techniques or tools for working in groups. Oh, fantastic. So uh, you, you are actually launching it on the 1st of March at Bella Union up at the Trades Hall in Melbourne. It runs for two hours. And uh, you're part of Living in the Future, aren't you? Livinginthefuture.org will get people information about this screening, how to book, and also how to contact you if they wish to run a workshop, if they're interested enough. That's right. Yeah, Living in the Future has got some short films online for free to watch, like I was saying. So if you don't know anything about this, you might want to go and have a look at a couple. And then maybe you'll be interested enough to come to the screening. So that's, yeah, that's on 1st of March, which is in Wales, that's St David's Day. So I'm going to be cooking a whole load of Welsh cakes to help celebrate the screening with people um, at Bella Union, and we're really pleased to be at Bella Union because it's such a right-on venue, isn't it? I mean, I I just love. I go dancing there. I'm a tango dancer. <laughs> when I go dancing there, I see this huge picture of Gough Whitlam, who's we mention in the film, and um, there's these kisses all over it in lipstick, bright red lipstick on it. That's and so I, sweet. It is really sweet. And you I have just to take a photograph of it and send it home to your mates in I, Wales. I will. They won't know who he is. But, you know, you can explain very quickly what he did for this country. And, uh, yeah, there are some wonderful people doing things in this country that some of them are captured in the film. Thanks for talking to me today, Helen. Thank you. I'm so excited and I just can't hide it. Hey, Jodie, I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. Oh, just in the words of the Pointer Sisters, hey? What? What's happening? <laughs> The new 3CR t-shirts are coming out. We had a competition. Kate Reid won it, and it's so beautiful. It's got roses and a love heart, and then the caption is, resistance is fertile. Oh, too deadly that, eh? So in order to get one, go to the 3CR website and follow the link to shop, and they're $30. $30? Oh, what a bargain. And $25 for kids. You'll be able to secure one for yourself because they're in hot demand. Yay, get one now. Yeah, they are in hot demand and they're the cutest little... There's these really cute little ones for children and they are... Everything tiny looks cute, but these look particularly cute. That's T-shirts, 3CR. Come down here and buy them or um, I'm sure you can order them by ringing up or anything of that nature. Now, there's a bit of excitement going on. On March the 19th, there's going to be a screening of David Bradbury's new film, Waging Peace. It's a wacker uh, fundraiser. It's going to be on at the Nova. It's, uh, as I said, Thursday, March the 19th, 6 to 8.30. It's um, 
If you don't know who David Bradbury is, I'll give you a bit of a lowdown. He made a fantastic, fantastic film, a very influential film called Frontline, which was a portrait of Australian news cameraman Neil Davies in Vietnam. It was, uh, it uh, received an Academy Award no- a nomination and also won first prize at the Sydney and Melbourne Film Festivals. It's uh, from the seventies, but major, major. Uh, Australian uh, feature that stands the test of time. But he's an activist filmmaker. He uh, made uh, Blowing in the Wind. Uh, it's about a joint military training facility in Shoalwater Bay near Rockhampton. He uh, has uh, also, uh, you might remember, uh, films from the 80s, Nicaragua No Pasaran, followed by Chile Hasta Cuando, South of the Border, State of Shock, Nazi Supergrass, Loggerheads, Jabaluka. Survival School, My Asian Heart, On Borrowed Time. So he's a man that is uh, highly highly influential within the activist scene. He's actually coming for a Q&A on that March the 19th at Nova. So uh, you should probably book your ticket if you're interested at uh, Try Booking Now, which is com forward slash waging peace. I'm sure if you... Uh, Put it in, went to the Nova website, you could probably make a booking. It's, uh, uh, I'm very excited, and we're going to get a chance to have a word with David Bradbury. So, uh, a, a major, major, uh, important documentary filmmaker in the Australian uh, mould. That's us for, uh, Showreel today. Uh, we, just go through deep listening Dadiri's details again. Sunday, first of March, seventh of the ninth PM, and it's at Bella Union Trades Hall, Ligon Street. Tickets are thirteen dollars and fifteen dollars. BellaUnion.com.au forward slash ticketing. Uh, if you want to know more about uh, the previous films that Helen has made, go to LivingInTheFuture.org. Uh, there's also a Facebook, Living in the Future. Very interesting stuff. So I'm signing off with uh, Debbie uh, Morrow and her song Destiny. Coming up next is Published or Not. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.